You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, man, this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one. one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, I've up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank, presented by iHeartRadio, right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Seth Levitt, DJ Preach is missing in action today, but the man with the best hands in the podcast business is here, OJ McDuffie. Juice, how you I'm feeling? feeling great, man? Big Seth. Man, you know, I'm always feeling good about certain things that we do. You know, offensive guys, uh, guys I play with. And definitely, when you talk to somebody from Ohio, it's always a big thing for me, bro. Right. You know what I mean? Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much three things that'll make it work. Well, that's somebody from Ohio isn't just somebody. This is Joe Horgan. And for for those of you who that name doesn't ring a bell, uh, you might be Miami Dolphins fans. Well, I hope you're Miami Dolphins fans if you're hearing this podcast. But Joe Horgan is so right now, I guess, Joe, we're going to say senior advisor at at the Pro Football Hall of Fame is the title. Um, prior to that, executive director, and in your 45 years with the Hall, <laughs> I imagine you had a couple different uh, hats that you wore, but yeah, I'm just going to call few. you one of the preeminent uh, football historians in the country. That'll work just fine. I'll answer <laughs> to anything. <laughs> Maybe not anything, Joe. We'll see how this uh, thing goes. Well, you know, it was, I was having a hard time getting my, uh, my arms wrapped around the idea of being you know, somebody from Ohio. I mean, I'm thinking, oh, Ohio. I've only been here. Oh gosh, it's been 45 years. I've been here. You know, I'm from Buffalo. Yeah, we know where, that too. Know, yeah, where you know where we used to just scream, squish right. the fish. Right. We're going to get right. into that. Right. We're, We're going to get, get into, into that, that too. Yeah. That, <laughs> don't do it so early. We, I don't we, want anybody we, to turn this thing off. Hey, <laughs> oh, fun. All right, so now I'll be. I'll go back to being from Ohio well, look, for now. That yeah, yeah I claim so Florida good. now. You know, because I spent most of my life here. So that's, yes, that's our role. See, that's it. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. Just when things were going good. So, so, look, so Joe, look, I don't know if this is still the case, but I, I know in your role as uh, executive director at the Hall of Fame, one of your responsibilities was to administer the enshrining process, the Correct. selection process. The selection. It, yep. Is that something you still? Uh, yeah, I still, I still involved. Although it's not my primary responsibility, like it was for about I don't know, almost three decades. Yeah, um, it's uh, Rich DeRocher now, who was uh, VP of Communications and Content, took over that role pretty much while I was gone. He continues in that role. I, you know, I serve at his at his leisure uh, in, in any capacity I can. Got and it. He, you know, obviously he's certainly has tapped the old institutional knowledge button now and then. But yeah, institutional uh, knowledge uh, at this point, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and I should be institutionalized. <laughs> so, you know, so. That goes back to that story your wife was that you were telling us yeah, about your wife. You before. <laughs> Too much fun. So she, so felt she was institutionalized with me being the jack. Goes, uh, you know. so she sent yeah. you right back to work. I love it. it. Oh, I love it. So look, we, we uh, now, I, you know, you kind of blew it with the buffalo squish the fish thing. <laughs> but what we tried to do here was wait to invite you on this show until after Zach Thomas was actually selected, because there the last thing we wanted to do was feed you to our hungry doll fans who have spent <laughs> literally the last decade just beside themselves that Zach didn't have a gold jacket. But now that yeah. he will, that he's being fitted for one, we yep. can talk a little bit about the process. And specifically, what I want to ask you is, why do you think certain players who ultimately are recognized mm-hmm. as Hall of Famers, Zach would be one, I, yeah. you know, John Lynch comes right. to mind, guys like that, 
why do you think they kind of get caught up in the weeds for a little while or, or even a long while yeah. in some cases? Yeah, it can be very long sometimes. Yeah, it's so many different reasons. But I guess the, you know, in most of the in most of the cases, it comes down to numbers. You know, there are only five modern era players selected each year. And let's say three of them come off one year or the, all five come off the, uh, in one year. That means that those 10 from the 15 finalists are still sitting there and they tend to come back. So it doesn't open up a lot of slots every year to bring in first year eligibles. You know, when you have a, a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, like a Joe Thomas, who was a first year eligible candidate, take a spot. That leaves four for veteran players who weren't on that 15 finalist list the year before. So it, it's kind of this this slow you know, loss of position, if you will. Many times a, a well-deserved player kind of gets lost in the weeds, as you said, as some body or, or, or multiple persons from his position come out as first and second year players, perhaps. You know, we get log jams. We've done it a couple of times with wide receivers. Remember Chris Carter, Andre oh, yeah. Reed, and, yeah, and uh, Tim Brown just, you know, just split the vote for, I don't know how many years it went on until finally one at a time, all three eventually made it. Kenny Riley's going in this year after waiting. He's a, he came in as a senior candidate and, you know, I knew Kenny and Kenny, I used to always tell him when I would see him as a candidate, it's, it's a matter of time, not if, and that's a hard thing for candidates to believe, but in most instances it's true. And what we've been doing, we've been trying to do anyway, is to catch up. Before I retired, we had a something called the Centennial Class, where we had an enlarged group of numbers of, of senior candidates being considered. We brought in 10. And that was to do some catch-up work, because these guys that get put into the senior candidate pool really get buried. So we brought, we were really lucky and fortunate to get some of the guys in, but we left so many behind. We realized that it was just, you know, it was a great effort, great first step. But it didn't solve the problem. The problem will never solve because there's so many great players coming out that retire and yeah. so on. But anyway, Jim Porter, uh, our president now, decided that we would have three senior, possibly three senior nominees each year. They will have three nominees. We don't know if they'll get elected, but, you know, that's three more seniors than we would have been or two more seniors than we would have been having every year. So there's an attempt to make sure that we're going back and looking these, looking at these guys that fell through the cracks that were victims of their own position, perhaps, or the, you know, just a great number of uh, first year eligible, second and third year eligibles coming out to push the list further down. So we continue to look at the system, always trying to refine it, make it work without diluting it. Right, right, That's right. The There's part. that part too. Yeah. I know one of our great friends of this podcast, Mark Clayton, uh, he'll, he'll be happy to hear there's a few more senior spots available. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. But, uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, we've had those conversations here for quite some time. But we sure. were glad that Zach did get in and and uh, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that process specifically to Zach just because obviously that's so fresh right now in, in, in our hearts. But yeah. um, it was one of those deals where people were watching and saying, wait a second, how is he not and this and that and this guy and the whole thing? Yeah. So we said, we're going to get Joe on after Zach gets that nod. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad we were able to do this right. soon. <laughs> you, and, you, you and us both. Zach Agreed. But, Agreed. Yeah, but, you know. I took a vacation and came back, and Zach gets elected, so there must be some it. connection. Well, welcome back, Joe. Well, that's, well <laughs> welcome you, yes, that's probably why. Right. We got Joe back in the building, Big Seth. You know what I mean? And speaking of that, 
Joe, I mean, that's it. How how's that work? Are, are you actually in the room during the selection process? I mean, I mean, we understand, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. what is said it's, in that room is, is is kept under wraps for sure. But this time, yeah. did you sense that Zach was going to, you know, was gaining momentum and that this, you know, over the past couple of years, and this might be the opportunity? Yeah, you know, you can, yeah. See, that that's the thing is, you know, it's hard to explain this to particularly the candidates, but the fans even more. When they don't see their player's name sometime, they think, oh, he's forever forgotten. And it's usually not the case. You know, if he gets to that 25 semifinalist list, that's a, yeah. I mean, that's a great yeah. honor, really. And then that you look at that list and you say, how on God's green earth are you going to get just take five of these guys? You're looking at, you know, great players. So you kind of have to explain to folks that, you know, somebody's going to have to be cut. You know, it's like a coach making a decision. And just like a coach, sometimes he's not cutting, you know, that you're taking or keeping the best uh, 20 or 15 of 25. He's making judicial uh, decisions like, all right, I've got six wide receivers here. They're not all going to get elected this year. Let's let's pick our top three or whatever. You know, each selector's mind works a little differently in terms of making those cuts. It's not just looking at, you know, apples right. to apples sometimes. And that's the tough part. So when it gets down to 15, that's where the rubber really hits the road. And again, I get to that point where people don't understand. They'll say, so-and-so, first year eligible, he's a slam dunk, and he doesn't make it. Well, that's because these other guys that were in the final 15 the year before that were so close, they get a little bit of an edge in the sense that, hey, you know, he's been waiting 17 years. Let's take a look at him. <laughs> right. You know, he's either in or he's out. You know, let's, let's, let's make a decision here. That eliminates the spot. So, you know, it's it's a process. It's really the only way I can say it. And then when we get in the room and we're talking about the 15 modern era finalists and the now three seniors, and we have another category, either a coach or a contributor, when you're talking about these 18 people, it's life-changing. These guys, the selectors, take that so seriously. They know how much it means to each and every one of them and their families. That's the tough part. Well, if you ever have to make a phone call and tell somebody they didn't make it, it's usually the family that reacts, you know, the, rather than the player or the coach or the contributor. They understand the process a little bit. But boy, family sure takes it to I mean, heart. we had some instances where you had to, you know, explain anything. Or they, do they call you, Joe, directly? What, yeah. what happens when the family oh, gets yeah. a little bit upset here? <laughs> well, you know, and, it, and I'll say it this way. Most, time, most of the times the families don't call back. You know, it's we have called them in the sense of calling – player and, and frankly if the wife is there it's you know you know it but it, it's it's more likely to happen when the when the hall of famer is deceased and his mm. children or wife or whatever they're you know they're so hopeful for what they felt you know should have been should have occurred before the man passed so it's a very emotional thing until they get elected and then like i constantly tell people once you're elected to the pro football hall of fame nobody remembers how many years you wait Right. You know, OJ, let me ask you this. Lynn Swan, great Lynn Swan, great receiver, you know, fantastic big playmaker. Do you think he was selected in his first, second, or third year of eligibility? Ooh, man, they won all those Super Bowls. Because you're asking me, I'm going to say his third time. Actually, it was his 14th year of eligibility. <laughs> you set me up, Joe. <laughs> that was a setup. That was a setup, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> 14 <laughs> years. 14 wow. years he waited. So, and wow. nobody yeah. cares. You know, once you're elected, you're, you know, you're in the Hall of Fame. So that's the way it really works. And uh, Zach was here yesterday, uh, along with Joe Thomas and uh, Rondé Barber, and then the families of Don Coriel and oh, and, and Ken Riley. And I tell you. 
that's a real good mix of what I'm talking about. We had a first year eligible player. We had uh, Rondé Barber who waited a little bit and we had Zach and we had two deceased hall of famers. Hmm. So you get the feedback from each of these groups and to a person, they all said the same thing that, boy, it was a painful wait, except for Joe Thomas who didn't wait. <laughs> yeah. It, but it's all once it's over, but it was Joe Thomas who was making the point. It doesn't matter how long you waited you're in now and who Easy cares? Easy for Joe to say. <laughs> well, it is, it is. But, you know, that, it, you know, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard it, you know, and uh, I just think about guys that, and it feels good when they come back and say, I remember you telling me it's a matter of when, not if. And Joe, I want to ask you this on top of that. Now, the guys that do get in that have been waiting, have you had a bad reaction from some of those families as well? Like, I mean. No, you know, it's all right. forgiven once you're elected. It's, you know, it's a, uh, you know, I went from being a bum to being their best friend. Right, right. And specific to Zach, and again, I, like Drew said, I, you know, you probably don't want to get into too much, but we had some interest. Jason Cole was on the podcast recently and told a really mm-hmm. cool story about Patrick Willis's presenter actually yeah. advocating <laughs> for Zach, which was kind of phenomenal. And yeah. But what at what point did you start? I mean, I guess once they're in the room, you already see that there's some momentum. But when did you start to think that there was this shift that like his time is coming soon? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, as we're going through the process and you can't help but do it, you know, you're in the room and you're looking at that list and you're saying, well, I'm going to do my own little voting here. Sure. How close I get. I'm never right. 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 You know, right. <laughs> so and, and I'm, I could be more close to the system than I am. Yet I can't. All, I mean, I can get the first guy. I can get uh, Joe Thomas is going to go from fifteen to ten, and probably ten to five. But I, you know, I'm, I'm saying, well, maybe not. You know, but it's the it's kind of the dark horses that emerge, and you feel it when there's you know when you particularly when they cut to ten, when you get to ten and they you know they're really looking at now this is the core group we're considering. Then you hear the impassioned pleas and they really, you know, get to the, uh, put the meat on the bone, so to speak, and give the case of why this guy and not that guy, you yeah. know, if it comes down to the same position or, or having, you know, waited 20 years, whatever it might be. That's when all of the arguments are made and you feel like, boy, any one of these guys could go, I'm going to guess and take five. Sure. You know, and I'm lucky to get three. <laughs> how well did, yeah, I was going to say, how well did you do this year? That's, I hey, got three. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're consistent, Joe. 45 years in, at least you're consistent. Yeah, all right. you know, you know you, you, your heart goes with someplace. Some yes. of them you know, and you know, so you're, it's, it's really tough. And I, I always tell our selectors this, I say, I'm so glad you guys vote because I couldn't do it. Mm. I really couldn't. It, it's just emotionally draining. It really is. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
let's move on to something that you and I got to work together a little bit on, and that's mm -hmm. the speeches. So oh, Zach, yeah. <laughs> Zach mentioned to me recently that this class, what is it now, six or eight minutes? What are they technically Well, given? we actually told them it was six to eight up till this year. Okay. Uh, and we are trying, like I say, we always review and see what we can do to make things better. We've gone from eight to 10. Okay. So they've gotten a little extra time. Yeah. And, and I try to explain, you know, uh, each new class, you know, has to understand this, you know, it's a televised event, obviously. Not that that's totally dictating how we do this, but it has an influence, obviously. But if you just say every uh, Hall of Famer took the full 10 minutes, which is fine. There's also about a three and a half minute video that precedes them from, you know, where we have their presenter making the, their presentation remarks. And then from there, they go, the presenter and the Hall of Famer then unveiled the bronze bus together. So it's really about a 15 minute block that each Hall of Famer is given during TV time. And that's kind of how I kind of look at it as we're you know, setting this up. So if you take that times nine, you know, you're really getting into two and a half hours of the three hour show and there's 24 minutes of commercials. So you really hit three hours before you ever go over time. Yeah. So that, that's for the last guy speaking, you know, you don't want to have a four hour show. Where <laughs> people have fallen asleep, left or whatever. So, uh, so and, that leads me to where I'm going with this thing. Cause mm -hmm. back in 2017, when JT went in, there was yep. a little bit more time that they had. And then they also mm -hmm. took some liberties on, on that oh, time. Absolutely. Yep. And, and so mm -hmm. I remember, so Juice is kind of a cool thing. You know, I, I got to, you know, JT and I met two or three times a week as he was preparing for the speech and we went over everything. And then once it was a first draft, the requirement was we needed to send it to Joe Horgan. So, yeah. so I sent it to Joe and Joe said, Hey, this is good. Or this is that you might, you know, maybe you could trim some fat here with some words. It was really kind of a cool editing process. Right. What do you do when someone turns something into you and you can look at it right away and know, Oh, you know, yeah, this yeah. is like a novel here. Like, oh, you know, yeah. how do you handle that? Two bad things, two things can happen. One can be like that where it's just so long. There's just no way to edit it. Or the other guy who comes in and says, Hey, eight minutes, I can handle this. I don't even need notes. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my. That's that's the worst. Uh, I won't give you his name, but somebody told me that not too long ago. Yeah. And then went 28 minutes. <laughs> you know, so. But in any case, but the long ones, you know, to your point, Seth, is really what the people, when they send it to me, and I try to tell them this, I will not edit content. I right. will not take out content. But I can tell you how to eliminate redundancies. You know, you thank your mom six times. I think one was enough, you know, or you can use contractions instead of two words. He did not. No, he didn't. You know, just get, you know, get, get comfortable with the way you're speaking. Do your everyday speak. You know, don't try to, you know, sound like Daniel Webster up there every time. You know, it's good to be prepared, but be yourself. And we have a teleprompter and it moves only at the pace of the speaker. So it's, you know, it's a, a much smoother process right now, even since JT. I mean, it really is. It really has gotten to the point where they believe, first of all, that what we're telling them, that we're cutting the time on the speeches so that everybody has an even uh, let's call it a level playing field. You don't want yeah. one guy to dominate the time. And then we also bring in, you know, the professionals, uh, aside from myself and Rich DeRozier, you know, who is now helping edit some of these speeches. And I, I don't even like calling it editing. It's, it's more of advising, you know, just here's your speech. I got it. Here's the highlights. They're great, but 
you know, maybe you don't need to mention your dentist. And I think that's fair, Joe, because I, that was the experience that I had with you. I didn't feel like you were telling us what needed to be in there, but there was definitely some advice too. Right. Right. Well, I've had speeches where when they start with, you know, well, in the first grade, oh no, 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 no. We had one, we had one hall of famer. Thank you. The doctor who delivered him. Well, listen, that's starting at the beginning. That is really for real. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. So let me, I'm almost scared to ask you this, but uh, I I actually, I think I know the answer. So I'm really scared to ask, but do we know which Miami dolphin delivered the longest speech of any dolphin that's in the hall of fame? Oh, you know what? They've been pretty good. You know, Um, dolphins uh, are disciplined, particularly the Don Shula dolphins. You know, they're they're used to discipline. My guy didn't play for Shula though. (laughs) Jason may, Jason may have been the longest and it wasn't bad. It really wasn't, you know, Oh, good. uh, you know, back in the, day and then i say this truthfully that um you know when we used to have the enshrinement ceremony out on the front steps in the sun getting beaten down as hot we didn't have tv it was just a continuous go so the pressure wasn't on but ironically there was really not much need for coaching because they most of the guys got up and were two three minutes i mean they were very quick as it got to be a television production and each year hall of famers new hall of famers they've seen you know the last 10 years or whatever we make it so dramatically produced to well produced that I think they feel this obligation sometimes to, to be, you know, the, I don't know the, the uh, best they can be in terms of their, or, 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 let me get the right word here, oral skills, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, they, uh, Definitely uh, want to get the right word there. But I think so, you're you right know, it, though. Yeah, it, it is a lot of showmanship, and and um, that gets you know it, it opens the window so we can all see a little bit of the yeah. guy's personality. I, I, I think it's funny to me, Big Seth, because there's a lot of guys that we'll probably hear a speech from. Like, yo, I, I hang out with that dude. He doesn't talk like that. That's not him. That's not him at all. You know what I mean? But you can go watch them all on YouTube now. So I think you're yeah. right, Joe. It's going to take a few more years so that when the next, you know, when the class goes in, that right. the last two or three years worth that they watch are more. Right compressed because if you're watching there's a certain period of time and and certainly that 2017 class was in there i was watching guys and this one's 22 minutes this one's 38 minutes this one and i'm like oh man this is a real speech you need to come up with jt well but you think about it and and you know you can understand oj that you know we're asking people to compress you know 10 12 14 15 year careers into a few minutes so it really isn't a recap of your career it's a recap of the emotion. You know, how do you feel? You know, what does it mean to you? Who are the folks that most influenced you in your life? That's kind of really where it needs to, you know, if you were to say, what do you want to hear? That's what the folks want to hear. They can they can look right, at the ESPN right. highlights, you know, until your eyes bleed and you're already elected. You don't have to prove how good you were, <laughs> you know. So tell us about, you know, the emotion of the uh, this class this year. We have um, we have what we call Sizing Saturday at the Super Bowl, the Saturday before the Super Bowl. We get the new class in a room. They get fitted for their gold jacket, their bronze bust, and their Hall of Fame ring. And that's really cool because they're still on cloud nine. They haven't gone through anything yet. This is kind of the first time they're together, and it's the reality sinking in, particularly when they're getting measured for their bust. And we ask them to just tell us something about themselves that we won't find on Google. And that is the most interesting thing. And I, and I tell them, you know, I haven't told this class yet because there hasn't been need yet. Think about what you said when we asked you that. That's probably the best thing you could put in your speech. Something people don't know about you that you'd like them to know. That is so good. 
So, so let's talk about some of the other Miami Dolphins that, you know, have busts in Canton real quick, uh-huh. you know. You know, given your 45 yep. years, you know, with the Hall, I think that, you, you know, that, that would mean you, you've you been there for the enshrinement for probably every Dolphin, every one of them, right? Every one okay. of them, yeah. Yep. All right, so you have to have some fun stories about some of the legends and, of course, for our favorite team. Got to, sure. I know it's not your favorite team, but our favorite team, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, know, yeah. <laughs> you walked right into it, Joe. <laughs> I have one team just now. One just team. one that's team, that's right. That's it. That's, that's a pretty good one, too. Like that's a yeah. big, big dog. That's it. Ten bulldogs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, but I understand you've got you know a pretty good one about my coach. The great Don Shula. Yeah, you know, Don Shula, as you know, was no shrinking violet. Uh, and if ever there was a candidate that knew he was going to be elected in his first year of eligibility, <laughs> the winningest coach in football history, it was Don Shula. So I was making a call before we now, you know, now at the when we have our uh, selection announces the NFL honors is on TV. Before that, we had a, you know, a kind of a big press conference with NFL Network. But in the days when Don Shula was eligible, we would go right from the meeting to a kind of a press conference area, mostly print media. And then ESPN would do a cutaway, maybe. But in any case. I knew Don Shula was going to get elected, so I'm saying, well, wouldn't it be great if Don would be at the Super Bowl, which we expected he would be, and we would just bring him on, you know, bring him on at the press conference, introduce him to the crowd, and so on. So I call him to make sure that he's going to be at the press or at the uh, Super Bowl, and he said, oh yeah, I'm going to be at the Super Bowl, and I said, well, coach, if you're there, as soon as we know, you know, that we got the envelope and we announced the class, we'd like to have you stashed back in a green room and you could come right out and you know, address the media. Goes, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. Well, why not? Goes, oh, I don't want to make any assumptions. That, oh, you know, I can't, I can't assume that I'm going to get like, as a coach, I said, you know, come on, let's, let's be honest. You're going to make it. Oh, I don't know. I can't do that, Joe. I'll, I'll be in my hotel room. You could just call me and I'll, I'll come down as quickly as I can get there. Well, okay, if that's the way you want to do it, that's fine. So, of course, we announced the class, and, you know, Don Shula's in the class, and I quick get on the phone, I call him up in his room, and this it was the strangest call. I call Coach Joe Horrigan. Oh, Joe Horrigan from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Said, yeah, I know who I am. He said, oh, what is it, Joe? And said, well, well, Coach, you've been elected to the Hall, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, congratulations. Oh, Joe Horrigan, thank you for going, you know, again. I'm thinking this is the strangest call I've ever had. You know, keeps repeating my name, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm like, okay, all right, great. Coach, can you come down? I'll be right down. You know, and so he comes down to the press conference. All was well, great job. About a week later, I get a friend calls me from Miami. He says, hey, I, I heard you on uh, TV the other day. I said, what do you mean you heard me on TV? And he goes, when, when you called Shula. And I said, what do you mean you heard me? He says, Oh, he was doing an exclusive with Jimmy Cephalo in his room. <laughs> he was playing it up, man. Oh, man. He said he, he, he gave an exclusive before he went down for that press conference. I love so, it. Yep, yeah, so Jimmy got the scoop. Oh, my goodness. That's too good. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. So uh, another story you were telling me, and, and what reminded me of this is, when I first spoke with Zach after, you know, everything heard about the Jimmy Johnson thing and everything and congratulated him. And he, you know, I made some kind of a joke, Hey, you know, you're in now, they can't take that gold jacket away from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were telling me that there actually is one individual who was indeed kicked out of the hall of fame. Yeah. You know, back there was, there was, a, I can't remember the exact situation with the NHL, the, the hockey hall of fame, 
it was, I think it was the player association president or something got some hot water and, you know, they were going to take him out of the hall of fame. And I think they may in fact have, I, I, I don't want to say things that I'm not sure of, but that, that was kind of the basis. I was getting phone calls. Has there ever been anybody kicked out of the pro football hall of fame? And of course, no. Well, years later, I realized I was wrong. There was actually a hall of famer who got kicked out of the hall of fame, not once, but twice. And that was Larry Zonka. <laughs> wait, 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 Larry wait, Zonka. Wait. <laughs> OJ, another, another Ohio guy. Right, right. He came down here in 1963 when the Hall of Fame opened. The inaugural opening. He and some friends from yeah, Stowe, yeah. Ohio, where he lives, from his football team. I think he was a junior in high school. Came down here and they came for the ribbon cutting. And then he tried to sneak in, and he got caught, and they threw him out. Oh, I love it. So he came back later, later, tried it again, and got thrown out a second time. So we have one Hall of Famer has been thrown out twice. I love it. So he, he literally had to go and be one of the best players in the history of the game to <laughs> yeah. ensure that he wasn't going to yeah, get kicked yeah. out a third time. Yep. <laughs> Make sure he had to pay to get in there, Big Seth. He is. Well, no, he's good. I, th- I think Zonk is good now. You know, and I, I think it was like 50 cents for kids to get in. It wasn't like a, you know. So. That's so good. Uh, What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good. All right, so we we're, so we've covered <laughs> Zach and JT and Coach Shula, and of course we talked a little bit about Larry Zonka getting kicked out a couple of times. So how about my QB one, my guy Dan Marino? You know, one of my mm. favorite one of the favorite yeah. moments. You know, I saw in the speech was when Danny, you know, started licking his fingers like he did, and you know, at the end he wanted to throw one last, yep. you know, deep ball. And of course he called on Mark Clayton, yep. one of his favorite targets, probably his favorite target of all time. And I'm, I'm okay saying that, sure. Seth. You know what I mean? Him and Clayton, the magical <laughs> year they had together, you know what I mean? And, and years they had together is pretty pretty impressive. You know, and, and Clayton in the center aisle and, you know, and, and, and Danny's last pass, you know, from the podium. Is a moment like that something you've already been aware of? Were you aware of that coming up, Joe? Or No, oh, no, no. And that's that was the beauty of it. And there was been a couple things like that, but that one scared me. Because if you look at the footage of that, He's asking Mark Clayton to run down the center aisle where he have all these cable bridges right. over the TV cables. And I'm thinking if he starts running and, and trips over this on national TV, that's not going to be good. So, <laughs> so I worry about things like that. So Mark was smart enough to just kind of meander right. out there. He wasn't running a streak pattern of any kind. But it was a great moment because it, it kind of, you know, showed the relationship between the two. Yeah. But it also was, you know making sense out of the moment. You know what I mean? It was just bringing it back down to the grassroots level. This is really a game for, for guys to play. You know, it's not just a, a storybook uh, career. It's, it's a little bit of, this is something he'd been 
planning, not planning, but uh, preparing for since his peewee football days and to have fun with it at, at, at that level. That's really something. But I'll tell you something else. So with, with Dan Marino, one of the great moments in, in gosh, many years here, when uh, we used to have the Hall of Fame game was after the induction ceremony, the following day and sometimes two days away, depending upon the schedule. But in any case, uh, that particular year when Dan was elected, we would do sideline interviews with each of the new class for the uh, Hall of Fame game. And Dan came to me and asked, hey, can after I do my interview, can I take my family over to the Hall of Fame to see my bust? Because it's already been installed in its place. I think we've never done that before, you know, but the building's closed, locked up, you know, we're you know, in, at the game. I thought, gee, there's no good reason why not. I said, yeah, once you're done, we'll, we'll, I, do you know where your family's sitting in the stands? He goes, yep. So we sent a volunteer up there, whenever we, thousands of volunteers working for us over the Hall of Fame weekend, sent them up there to find the family, got them quietly out of their seats, down to the end of the uh, field, and I walked them over to the Hall of Fame. Now it's Interesting because now with our new stadium, you know, we could go under a tunnel and get in there, but we right. had to go out through the public concourse and across the parking lot and so on. And people are respectful. But anyway, we got in there and really it was a really moving moment because he has his mom and dad there and they go up and the bust is up there and they're all kind of taking pictures. Then all of a sudden I look over and there's Dan and his mother standing in front of the bust, oh, hugging man. and crying. Wow. You know, I thought that is, you know, that's just too much. And, and that meant so much me to be the, you know, the fly on the wall, but it showed how much it meant to the family. And that, that really, uh, that really moved me. And it was kind of a real, I don't know, gripping moment for me in a long career. Wow. So That's good. super cool, man. And, and you know, it's one of those things, Juice, yeah. like, like Dan Marino knows, you know, remember Tua this year, remember he said, Dan right. knows who he is. Yeah, I think he, he said that he on did. our podcast. Oh, yeah. He's like, Dan, Dan's very aware of who he is. <laughs> sure. And, and you don't have a career like that and not know that you were pretty good at football. Yeah. But then the, you know, to be overwhelmed by yeah. Yeah. that, that's a super cool thing. And, and, and the whole place is closed down, right. Juice. Yeah, There's right. nobody yeah. in the building because the game's yeah. going on, but, but. The Marino well, family. And, and really, Joe. you know what? It, what it really meant to me, though, is is how important I, I keep saying this: how important it was yeah. to his family, not just him. This was, right. you know, as Chris Carter said when he was elected, "Mama, stand up! You're in yeah. the Hall of Fame too." Yeah. That was a great you moment, know? And, and it is, and that's kind of how it works. You know, people look back at, at who suffered for them or helped them prepare, went through the hard times, the you know, the good times. It, it's all an encompassing thing. And it is, and I say it all the time, it's a life-changing experience to be elected in the Hall of Fame. I agree. It's magical. I, I had the honor of being at that enshrinement. I just left the Dolphins and I was helping Ralph Stringer, who is Dan's sure. right-hand man. I helped yeah. him through the whole process. So that was really cool because it was yeah. the first time I'd ever, I'd been to the Hall once when I did my internship with the Cleveland Cavaliers at Nicholas. So I had to stop uh, in, in Canton. Yep. But, um, you know, that was the first time I'd ever been to an enshrinement in person. Obviously, I, I got to be really involved in JT's experience in 2017. Mm -hmm. And it's just, even in that period of time, it was amazing to see the evolution of what enshrinement week has become. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing thing. You know, when, when I came here in 1977, uh, the little stadium next door, I said, you know, who plays there? And they, they said, well, it's high school. I said, I'm impressed that little old stadium was for high school. I said, we had bleachers. Right. Yeah. And they said, oh, we sell this out at 20000 yeah. I said, get out of here for, for high school. It, it was very, you know, it kind of told me a little bit about camp. It was very cosmopolitan, you know, and it was just a small town with a, with a big vision. And 
we have now, you, if you haven't been here in a couple of years, Seth, it's just uh, an OJ. I don't know. OJ, have you ever been to any show? I've been to Danny's and JT's, yes. Okay, great. So you remember yes. what it looked like then. Now we have a new stadium. It is state-of-the-art. We also have developing around us what's called Hall of Fame Village, a whole separate company of retail, restaurants, uh, enclosed dome, nine youth fields, uh, a Ferris wheel, and all sorts of things. A hotel is being built right now on a water Crazy. park. So it's, it's just exploding into this. It's a, an attraction on top of being a great museum and a, and a great experience of the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. But it has truly kept its its feel even through that of this small city that just embraces the new class every year and the returning hall of famers, you know, this is their second home. That's what we always tell them. They feel welcomed here. And we always make sure that not to over commercialize it, but at the same time, uh, give the guys a fraternal feel that they come back and this is their home, their fraternity and their opportunity to bond again every year. And I imagine, I mean, I've seen some of that and I imagine that that's a really special thing for those guys, especially the further they get away mm-hmm. from the game. But it's not just the gold jackets. It's also the fans. And I sure. I, I, uh, I have to imagine there will be no shortage of aqua and orange at this year's I ceremony. We certainly hope so. <laughs> right, right. I, I think yeah. there will be. So, will the you know how much of those things you just described do fans get to participate in? I'm just wondering for folks well, that are listening to this podcast and, and intend to go to Canton, like OJ, I'm be there. trying I'm, to book I'm the hotel. On. My flight is my flights are booked already. That's good. Yeah, and, and, and the reality is this year is everything is going to sell out very quickly. You know, the gaming and the still have tickets left, but what I'm saying is that the popularity of Joe Thomas being in mm. Cleveland. You have two New York Jets, and the Jets have been a little bit longing for another Hall of Famer, if you will. Uh, and those those two factors right there alone, tickets are going to get tight. But yeah. we've seen already early on a lot of Aqua ordering tickets. So I would not, I would tell you not to hesitate. Go online to our website. I'll plug it here: profootballhof.com. And follow very closely the, the dates uh, for ticket. But there are packages available for all sorts of events. There's a lot of free events for fans once they get here. One of the more popular ones, Seth and OJ, you, you, you've seen it uh, probably both. I've been here 45 years, and I've never seen it. But they have a great parade, from what I hear. <laughs> I have <two laughs> never been to the parade. Never been to it. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, it's the day of the enshrinement. Right. I can't. You know, right. I can't yeah, I guess parade. that makes sense. So, <laughs> so but in any I'm case, the parade. <laughs> fans love it, and you know, we do other things where fans have a you know, that up close and personal experience. And and I say just you know in general, you know, just for the photo op, you know, we have a you know a photo op every year with the new class and the uh, returning Hall of Famers, I said, nowhere on earth, uh, I don't care what sport it is, or even multiple sports, will you ever have 100, 110 Hall of Famers right. at the same place right. at the same time. It's just a great fan experience to see that. And, you know, getting the handshakes and the high fives and the autographs, all that's all very much a part of what we do here. You know, what's really interesting, OJ, you know, and you know, it's, you know, you have a playing career, and when you're playing, people, everybody recognize you recognizes you. Well, our Hall of Famers after the years pass, they, they're not always recognizable to the average fan. We've done a couple of things or a couple uh, different times, the same thing. We have undercover Hall of Famer. And we'll put them in one of our volunteers shirts and the oh, ball cap and, and a credential. And he'll be walking around on the bus gallery 
uh, asking people questions. Well, who's your favorite Hall of Famer? I'm I'm here because there's a camera. We're saying he goes. I'm here training. I'm being trained to be a volunteer here, and they videotape me and they critique me. And all fans are very, oh, that's nice. And you know, they'll talk to them. And well, who's some of your Hall of Fame favorite Hall of Famers. They never say right. the guy that's being you know standing there. Right, full right. Up. And they say, how about this guy over here? And they'll take him over to his bus. And they'll look at, oh yeah, he was pretty good. And then all of a sudden they look Wait. back and like, oh, oh that's my so God. cool. You know, so, that is so but, cool. Yeah. It it, it 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 really is, but that's kind of what the world we're in is that you know while you were a player and you had a helmet on and you had number, that's what folks knew. When the Hall of Famers get together, you, you know you're talking about seeing Tony Dorsett in the parking lot and Bob Greasy at the computer. They can get away with that in Canton, you know, uh, because they're here so often. First of all, that they're you know they are known and recognized here, but some of them are not. You know, still they can still walk through the streets and not you know be hounded by their home like their hometown fans would recognize them. So it's a really good experience for them. But for the most part, the fans really do know them and understand them and, and appreciate that they come back. Oh man, so good. I mean, I don't nobody recognizing me, Joe, until I started doing this podcast. So oh, don't let them tell this you. Podcast that. put me Especially on the map. Especially if we're going this, to Ohio. This podcast yeah. put me on the map. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Whatever. Here's here's what you do, OG. Just put your jersey on and walk through the streets of Buffalo one time. You'll see how many people are in there. <laughs> I oh, bet. Man. I All bet. Right, Joe, before we let you get out of here, Joe, you know, we know you're an expert, you know, in, in football history, but we're going to wrap this thing up, this interview, by seeing, you know, how well you can handle a two-minute drill. All right? Oh. Big Seth and I, we're going to throw you, you know, two minutes on the clock and have some rapid-fire <laughs> questions for you, and uh, we'll see how good you, how, how well you handle this, man. Are you up for the challenge? Should I hang up now? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't run away from the two-minute drill. You got this, Joe. I've got right. faith in you. Okay. All right. We don't have the two-minute clock. I'm just going to have to watch the timer yeah. at the bottom here, Juice, because DJ Preach is, is like oh, working okay. a real we'll, job we'll right bring, now. We'll, we'll superimpose so, it later. So we'll you start when you're ready. Later, All right. Back when Hall of Famers had illustrations accompanying their bronze bus, Paul Warfield had a Dolphins logo, but he was wearing a Browns jersey. Who made that call? Uh, the artist, Gary Thomas. Yeah, oh, quick, right. that was it. Exactly. Okay, and you just have to accept <laughs> what it is. Yeah, well, yeah I would have preferred, well, I don't know, I think I would have preferred, well, I guess what Brown's logo was he going to put up there? Okay. So he had to well, that. well, that's part of it, but maybe a better answer is he would run it by us because what we tried to do is show uh, when they had a dual teams that they played for, tried to represent gotcha. both of them. Uh, and yeah, I guess the artistic call was made as to which one is the feature. We selfishly <laughs> just want him to be, <laughs> be a Dolphin. Okay, which yeah. Miami Dolphins Hall of Famer returns to Canton most frequently? Oh, my. Let's see. Uh, oh, gosh. That's that's pretty tough question because they uh, – well, Nick Bonacani, before he passed, never missed one. Larry Little is here every year. Gosh, I, I, I bet it's Larry. Larry Little? Yeah, Larry, so. Larry loves that. that. I think he's Larry, I mean, yeah. well, I know we're in the two-minute drill, but, you know, Larry just, you know, his whole story, there's no way he's going to miss that trip, right? There's no way. <laughs> no. Great. All right, here we go. Now, this is my favorite question of go. all time, Joe. You know, your father was a sports writer for the Buffalo Evening News and eventually the VP of Public Relations for the Bills. How much do you really, really, really love seeing the Miami Dolphins in Shrining Canton? Oh, I love it. I mean, this is yeah. – I got an answer. You know, it, truly, I, you know, Don Chul and I became very good friends. I mean, I went down and I did a long interview at his home, and, and uh, you know, he never forgot. And he would, he would share stories about how going to Buffalo, he was telling his wife, he says, the first time he brought his wife to a game of Buffalo, he says, people were moving <laughs> 
<laughs> and she says, oh, my God, do they do this everywhere? Just in goes, Buffalo. No, just in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> just in Buffalo and, and definitely the Miami Dolphins because we've Harry. seen that too for sure. <laughs> Final question. Zach Thomas is, of course, the newest former Miami Dolphin to be selected for football immortality here in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The next Miami Dolphin who should be in the conversation mm-hmm. is? Ooh, Bob yeah, Kuchenberg. I love it. Bob Kuchenberg. Love that there here. you go. That is the two-minute drill. He is Joe Horn. Oregon, despite where he was born, folks, he still gives your Miami Dolphins right. a lot of love in uh, in That's football right. heaven. And yes, man, sir, I, I appreciate you making the time. I know this is a busy time of year for you. Uh, no, not at all. I'm, I'm enjoying the uh, chat with you. Hey, thanks for diving in, Joe. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. Dolphins, number one. one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards. Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard. Old school, a new school, mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players, no secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie. Bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it. Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset. We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. And if you ready for that water, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans. You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in. in. Fish tank. Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank.